0: Alright, guys, welcome back for another podcast. Today we have another special guest, so here we go.
1: Welcome to the podcast.
2: You
0: drinking? Can you hear that? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, and, um, my goodness. Kendall usually hits me back. She's like, if you snort in the mic one more time, I'm like, I don't even. <laughs> or
2: like when we were drinking the apple cider and yeah. it was just like, just bubbles. <laughs> yeah.
0: Stop burping into the yes. mic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. sorry about so, that, everybody. I'm right. So so I'm, I'm back.
2: Yeah, you we're are. Yeah. We, we missed you. Yeah. Well, I, I did. I've had <laughs> other, it, I've had a bunch of other people in here. <laughs> yes as i as i uh get now i actually got to host the podcast for a while not just be the guest star so (laughs) thank you yeah Yeah. thank you yeah uh but yes today we have
0: ashley with us brazen yeah yeah Yeah.
2: brazen i'm gonna i'm not going to mispronounce that recklessly bold yeah yeah
0: Yeah, we learned that just before the podcast that's, That's what it means. So
2: uh, Ashley is here on a on an externship. Um, so similar to what Rhiannon was, it was she was here a couple of weeks ago. And um, so you're a little bit earlier in your externship with us than she was. She was pretty much like that's the day before she was leaving. Um, You are pretty much right in the middle. Um, So a little bit of a different perspective. You come from a different background. You guys are going to the same school. You're still fourth year MSU CVM students, uh, both graduating in May. But, um, definitely some differences there, but, uh, and we also have Dr. Carlo who is going to have different questions for, for you than we did with Rhiannon as well. So yeah, cause
0: I'm even behind on listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to Rhiannon's yet. I think there's a Tuesdays for Caroline. I think yep. That's anyway, yep. but yeah, I'm, I'm behind.
2: Uh, that's okay. Yeah. It's some, sometimes you gotta be behind so you can catch up. <laughs>
0: that's right. Well, like we said, I start every day of failure so I can end it as a <laughs> champion. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves. Everyone loves a comeback, Carlo. That's right. Every twenty-four hours, I'm my own best comeback story, dude. That's yeah. just Rocky Balboa, right yeah. there. Well, yeah, but not Rocky Five. That movie's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah we don't talk about Rocky or. Yeah.
2: Well, Rocky Balboa was okay. Yeah, that was Creed was six. okay. Yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. But Which, uh, good for Stallone. Apparently, yeah. we are going to ramble a lot today, yeah. so that's great. Yeah. Um, so Ashley tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What got you here? All that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, um, I'm from Romeo, Michigan, which is the Metro Detroit area. Um, really, what got me here was listening to Carlo at the BBMA talks, and I kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit, and now here I am. <laughs> so.
2: I'm so glad everyone refers to it as the Kool-Aid, because yeah. it really is at this point. Yeah that's yeah. uh, uh, Senator Riolo yeah. is transitioning slowly into cult leader Riolo yeah, but <laughs> yeah we processing. still
0: need to find those criteria for what is a cult leader you know and see how many fulfill our process or prophecy no I'm just prophecy. <laughs> yeah I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I'm wide-eyed. Yeah. Uh,
2: all right. And um, so you were... Uh, it was roughly a year ago, right? Or a year and a half ago that you were down there when during that talk?
0: I, it, I feel like... Because uh, I'm usually pretty good with faces, terrible with names. But I feel like it was early.
1: It, it had to have been one of... I mean, I've been to multiple. But it had to have been one of the first times yeah. that you came.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I know this graduating class is... The first contact class that we had when we kind of started to build the mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was like super infant. It was Mm -hmm. like we got these crazy ideas. They, you know, are going to be industry, you know, changing, you know, revolutionary process. But at that time, it was more in theory than it was in writing, Mm. you know. So it was and I think that's, again, bringing Ben into the team where it was like, all right, Riolo like you can't just like talk all the time which and then of course we had podcasts and all always talk but anyway uh, we needed to get more in writing and more in that initial foundation um, and uh, but yeah even a little bit on perspective she yeah. had seen one of the initial, Industry overviews like before we yep. had any development of those other, well, they're now hexagons, but at that time they were yep. semicircles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, think I
1: have a copy of one of the original ones somewhere. Do it's like, you? You it's like a it relic out. at yeah. this point, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like. You know, I, I always love those because, I mean, I mean, it, it, at least half of my brain comes from a mother who's a graphic designer, right? <laughs> so it's like, I'm up there in front of, I think, one of the, one of the CAF uh, presentations, or had been probably, like, maybe 50 students there, maybe 40 students, something like that. I think there was at least two or three typos on it, you know? <laughs> like, and they're like, is that how that's? And I'm like, just d- listen to the message. You know? like, don't, <laughs> don't get caught up in the details. Right, right, just be okay with the right. ideas. But, but yeah, so it's, um, and it was actually uh, part of those like student contacts, not necessarily from a typo standpoint, but just from (laughs) like, um, you know, actually getting things into written process because we've known over the years now on trying to establish a certain respectable clarity, Mm -hmm. like spoken word is so much worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so much on interpretation, which not to say for written word that there isn't interpretation as well, but between diagrams and clarity and that kind of stuff it's going to make things a lot more replicable on right. a lot of levels yeah um,
2: that was the original intention for uh Taking the all the ideas and then sitting at this table for six plus hours yeah. and just barreling out what is tier one, two, three, and then actually coming up with four kind of in the moment. Yeah. Um. But really to increase that clarity to the point where we could just pick it up and then just go start handing it out. Yeah. Like because it, that's so because that really all that you're doing at that point is fishing and seeing who bites. Yeah. Because um as much as smoke and word is effective and it worked for you. Right, like he speaks with a lot of passion and seems to know his stuff pretty well. Um, there's a lot of th- between that talk and your arrival here two weeks ago, mm-hmm. there was a lot of time and probably a lot in that time frame that you forgot about what he talked about. It was just like
0: the, the energy, like the emotional the, brain yeah.
2: fed the decision, which is fair. And that's why we tend to, well, number one, we do this, but really getting the spoken yeah. word out there. But um, uh, there's a level of safety and uh, a lack of fear that can be developed when you're actually holding on to it uh, rather than just trusting the guy that just showed up from the other side of the lake. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even though he is a troll, yeah, it's true, right? Yeah, Ground rep is
2: native. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was the whole. That was the whole point. Is really just to to clear it out, and then all uh, at at some point, well, to uh, to clarify it, test it, and then make it scalable. Yeah. And now we're we're really at the end of the testing phase of the actual oh, written portion. Pretty much,
0: yeah. So I guess uh, so. Ashley from like that one of the first times that I talked and I I think Yeah, I know there was at least one other time for certain that you would have been to one of their talks Mm -hmm. Um, how about like build up to then execution? So like me just rambling crazy Mm -hmm. at these things for an hour to two hours like we're only halfway through it, and today is mid-rotation evaluations, I, and I think we have to the end of the day to figure out whether you fail or not, so right, answer those questions course. wisely. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're here, to not fail. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, so far, um, I mean, how, how do you think we do on delivery? I mean, brutal honesty is fine, this is what we're here for. But No,
1: I mean, I think you do deliver. Like, not only did I drink the Kool-Aid then, now I'm like ingesting, you know, full pictures of it. (laughs) So I was telling my sister the other day, like, I am really enjoying my time here, and the process works like it does, and I can see it in motion, and it really does work. So it's not just all talk.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, and that was, I mean, we had made that um, mention about, like, writing the checks. You know, like, we knew... When we started it, I mean, cause that was part of the story, right? So you, you start a program and it's like, oh, all right, well, we're going to have probably very slow uptake for the first couple of years. Yeah. And, um, that was a part, several different things that we had foreseen. I was like, all right, well, 2019 to 2020 I predicted is our break point. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I don't actually now in hindsight, I apologize. I haven't gotten my uh, quality and quantity chart up on the website yet. I apologize for that. But, um, I knew this was going to be our breakpoint year is that, um, If we didn't hammer down process before 19 to 20 um we would break we would break the organization yep so if all we did you know so at that time in 2015 2016 i was like we have the solution we know what it is and that's of course when ben came online uh as kind of third party i was like just take all of this like word vomit and like let's make policy out of it and Mm -hmm. try to create a business around it which i mean instrumental in helping us with that um And then it was kind of the same thing with the mentorship program at that time is it was like, all right, we've... Uh, kind of written, you know, a lot of different checks that are going to be cashed in a couple years because mm-hmm. we knew our first year students um, weren't going to be in until their third to fourth year. So we essentially had three to four years to deliver on what a message we were sending or selling years yeah. prior. Um, but because it was all driven by our industry overview, it was still integrated into the system we were already creating. We just had to have it consumable. So yeah. we just needed it to be somewhat applicable to student life. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad, yeah, that we're... Uh, and that so. process
2: hasn't stopped at any point either, just continuing to sow the seeds uh, yeah. within the Michigan State, and now it even, uh, you know, it's starting the process of expanding that out further into other educational entities. Yeah, um, yeah, organizations. There yeah, is too. there is a there is build-up process to that for sure, and that's, you know, uh, you, know you, you call it a breaking point, but it was either going to be that or a tipping point Right. Sure. And, and it turned into a tipping point and we yeah. saw a, a, just a ridiculous amount of growth internally. And now yep. we have people that are calling us saying, hey, externship opportunity. What's, yep. you know, what do we got going on here?
0: Yeah. I heard
2: about the Kool-Aid.
0: Right. Type thing. Right. I mean, we spike it, you know, but Absolutely. it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you got to encourage those rash decisions right. as much as
0: possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but but yeah, so yeah, uh, Ashley, you've you've kind of had, you've seen at least, I mean, on that infrastructure side, you've um, kind of seen in a couple of different applications um, because we, we kind of talked about a little bit in the first uh, week that you started or whatever, but I think in that first week, um, Humane Society was one. Yep.
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: we're... um, So part of that, you said expanding into educational uh, organizations, part of it expanding into other organizations where we're trying to institute our same process um, into our uh, kind of county's humane uh, society just to get their operations more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, And you sort of have that perspective where it was just like, I know you've only been here like three days or two days. It's like, why don't you come to this meeting with me and kind of see how we run it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, uh, Which uh, Rhiannon uh, uh, was exposed to that as well. Um, But I, I think What do you I guess what would be your interpretation of how we ran traction in 515 at that versus how we ran traction in 515 today because you actually sat in on one of our leadership meetings, which I can comfortably say in the amount of time we've been having our leadership meetings in the last several years. We've had like two guests with her being the third <laughs> you know not many people see like the inner workings of how we yeah. process on the back end yeah that might even be three might even be an exaggeration it's two yeah and christy was the other one uh potentially i think that was it yeah. at least
2: one that I, I was a part
1: of
0: yeah yeah you yeah.
2: guys may have
0: uh oh yeah yeah you might be right maybe lauren and christina not yet no no but anyway
1: yeah, I mean, I think it was interesting because, like, you guys are all very, like, you use the traction and the and the 515, and I think you're all very used to it, so seeing it run with people who all have already bought into it and are used to it, like, it's very, it's a lot, not that the Humane Society one wasn't smooth, but it's very smooth, yeah. where you guys are like, look, we see a problem, here are all the issues, here's what we're going to do to fix it, boom, let's move on, and then going to the Humane Society, people that are just learning it, like, it's, it's still working well, and even they, the, two girls at the main society and I forget their name. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, yeah, um, was. they said that they liked it because it helped keep them accountable and help them make sure that they got everything done. And so,
0: yeah. And that's actually, I've been, uh, I've, I've been, en- I've been enjoying seeing that process within that group. Actually training it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually seeing it where it's like, you just grab the reins and it's just this is what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. so let's do it but yeah I think you're right it's you know they're getting it it's a little clunky but I mean we're five sessions in
2: I was gonna say it like in because I had actually that was where I came from yeah so uh, between the assessment that you took and then that process was really like the two kind of Uh, uh, columns in which I started to build the relationship with Paw Health. And um, so I had actually trained that. We we built a process that if you actually read the book Traction, it is actually different from the process that uh, we use um, because we had actually kind of reconstructed it a little bit and made it our own. However, I had actually integrated that with um, Jen um, probably... Uh, as it currently exists, a good 15 different times with different groups of varying sizes okay. over two years. Um, and what we've and that was actually one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come in, and actually started to just put basically all my time into paw and then decided to come here full time was, they actually, between Carlo, Katie, and Annie, would get stuff done and they understood the process well. Uh, One of the things that I really learned along that path was that as much as like a business owner or a leadership team or whatever would say that they wanna hold their people accountable, none of them do because it's really, really uncomfortable. It's (laughs) like most people don't actually have the gumption to say this is where you missed and now we're going to get better right? because I don't know how or whatever it might be, or like, they're just afraid that they're going to think that they're the bad guy. And with the, uh, and, and honestly, a lot of it probably just goes to the fact that you and Katie are married. Probably. Like a part of it was by force. And the fact that you knew that you had to get along and then you started to develop the talk paths of having constructive conflict. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you bring Annie on board. Who's just like all in just on a, probably a sort of accident honestly yeah. like you knew that she had a skill set for sure yeah. but then you bring her in and then she's like yeah I can do all of these things and then some <laughs> right. um, and then that really just you know I kind of just it was originally the relationship with Jen but then kind of yeah I got, uh, got yeah. taken over by myself and um, that was the, one of the big thing that the accountability thing um, and the implementation of that process the first Oh gosh. Six months of meeting with you guys was still training process. It was it was exclusively. Every basically every meeting until the point where you showed up with the industry overview on sketchbook paper. Yep. Um and then we made you leave the room. Yes. That whole thing. Yeah, that's a whole story.
0: Yeah, that was <laughs> a that, that was a famed day.
2: It was a great day. It was a that was a tipping point day. <laughs> but um we, uh, we, all we did for those first six months was actually trained them on process and how to do it well. So that was where I learned how to do it well, because not only was I constructing it, it was also like a lot of like small changes over six months, um, to make it really custom fit. Um, which goes, you know, if you listen to episode 21, that goes away from that ready made type thing, but totally different, uh, discussion. Um, so that's what you saw was an individual in Carlo who understands the process now extremely well. And there are, I'm sure some differentiations that you will start to interject into that team. That's away from our process as it works for the four of us. Yeah. Because we just have figured out how to talk to one another. And that's the whole point of that process. It's not actually for the, very, very specific implementation every single time. It's to develop talk paths. It's the same way. as conflict. Yeah, conflict exactly. C-
0: con- Not conflict aversion. Conflict management. Yeah. So yeah. you've
2: got, and and that's what uh, so many of our t- um, ERT uh, section one processes are. Is yeah. actually training talk path. So in your onboarding, Annie went over the after action report and the case review and the mm-hmm. forgiveness model, like very deliberate things that you can do, and you can pick that up and read it off the paper and do it well, However, if you do, if you engage with anybody on that level multiple times, you're not going to need the paper anymore. You're right. just going to start to learn how to talk like that. So that's actually yeah. what you saw.
0: Yeah. And I didn't even understand that the first several times. I mean, we brought on after action, brought on forgiveness, mm-hmm. brought on these things like I didn't fucking get it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, all right, Ben, like I'm paying for your consultation. I'm paying for your recommendations. Like, let's just try it because it's not like I have almost exclusively neutral. Like I didn't know about it one way or another. I was like, yeah. I, don't I don't know if this is on or bad. Let's just try it. Um, But you're exactly right. It's like the more times you have conflict. And that's, I think, where we often stop is that we are conflict averse. So we see, you know, conflict and we just like kind of go away from it. And it's like, oh, if you just take it head on and figure out why you have conflict to begin with and just recognize that, yeah, maybe there's right, maybe there's wrong, but most of the time there's not. Yeah. You know, it's just more of uh, perspective, at least in some capacity. But um, you know, certainly getting over uh, conflict is is a challenge. It requires energy. It's deliberate. It requires effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're better once you do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it that that was actually the learning point for me as we kind of went through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Overall,
2: and a lot of that though, like I think your willingness for that actually was you know it, it, it's something that you were probably raised with and didn't realize it and then um going through vet school for yourself right like seeing and starting that you know when you started to ask those why questions and then really just boiling it down into unnecessary conflict and in yeah. inefficient process yeah. Um, That was the experience that really shined a great light on that, that you're going through. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, one of those things, like, I'm always super curious um, what your take on uh, as a student, you know, the, the processes that are in front of you and how that compares to what we have here and understanding that I think that MSU has their advantages Um, any clinical or externship experience that you've had outside of MSU has had their advantages. Mm -hmm. And then we obviously have our own. um, And then because the idea, right, is take two years, figure out how you want to be a doctor and then go do it. So (laughs) um, what are some of the advantages that you've seen that's different with our process?
1: Yeah, I think like here and as opposed to maybe other practices I've been Everybody has a role, mm-hmm. and they know how to fill it, and they get it done, and it's never. It's never an issue. Or if somebody's busy, then other people step into that role, and it's never like, oh, well, now you're stepping on my toes or anything like that. You guys all work towards the same goal, and there's not a lot of like personal egos mm-hmm. in the way, which I think is a huge difference here versus other places that I've been. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and actually, I mean, that's kind of goes to your. I mean, really, your vet school experience—that's disparagement, yeah. right? You, it's right. not even necessarily like quote like what I would call ego from yeah. you know looking at it from an assessments perspective. Yeah. It's the it's that it's hierarchy. Right the yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. tend to I tend to avoid that word because yeah, sure. very few people actually have it, but you know it when they do. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, yeah. but that's disparagement, and that's hierarchy, and those those two things being um, kind of standard. And being taught at multiple levels, I would say, almost exclusively unintentionally, um, really, yeah. uh, it, it, we had a direct retort to that.
0: Yeah, I uh, one of the conversations we had, we were uh, hanging one of the days, um, I think you were talking about, you had a uh, classmate who was either going to specialize and was at a uh, practice where um, ultimately the head of the clinic was just really disparaging that, friend or that individual. Mm. Um, And I... I feel like I provided a decent explanation of what was happening, but the perspective that you were giving me was the, the student or uh, the resident uh, was basically like, this person is just completely making me feel like an idiot. It's just really speak. It was a specialist and she was trying to become a specialist. So she was trying to learn from this clinically yeah. practicing specialist. Yep. Um, and, uh, I, I think that had kind of stood out at me just as an example of how disparagement occurs in our profession. Um, and, uh, uh if you could expand upon that just a little bit, um, you know, and just saying like the uh, her perspective on even trying to be specialized, um, ev- even outside of the university setting um, in a uh, uh, clinical setting, I guess.
1: Right, right. And so they had felt like this specialist was not necessarily being harder on them, but essentially, for lack of a better term, being harder on them because they knew that this student wanted to specialize, and so they the perspective that I had was that they were uh, trying to make them feel lesser or feel worse and then you had kind of said it's not that they're trying to make them feel stupid it's well you can go and expand on it but it was that they they instead were just trying to make themselves feel better, yep. not make the student feel worse. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's the perspective of power. Yep. You know, so it's like the specialist like, oh it's not it's not a matter of, hey student, look at how dumb you are. It's hey, look at how smart I am as right. a teacher. Yep. Like <laughs> well, it's, like, it, it's not it's
2: not raising themselves up, it's just putting their boot on top of somebody's head and just pushing them down <laughs> right. and you're still above them. Right. It's just nobody actually got any better. Yeah, um, We yeah. tend to think uh, and speak very metaphorically on the podcast. So the way that we had previously described it is no, we are like for us, the mindset is all right, we're constantly climbing the ladder and then reaching down and pulling people up yeah. because the higher that we raise the bar, the better off everybody is ultimately to serve the people patient um but that's like when you're talking about that like i actually don't think that that's really an uncommon way for people to communicate at all it like the idea of uh, it's i would say in many many aspects it's completely unintentional but that's why we separate intention from results right that it's actually not meant to make that person feel bad however it does And you might feel okay, but realize what your words are doing and in the mindset that you have as you're speaking them, because you might be saying something you actually don't intend to.
0: And that's why I think culturally I try to, you know, um, I had a old advisor tell me one time, it's not the cutting edge, it's the bleeding edge. Uh, So it's uh, you're, you're not necessarily in the cutting edge of something new, but it's like, you're really getting cut by what is fresh. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Part of that is, again, in some of those circumstances where it's like, all right, well, this specialist may have gone through the education system 10 to 15 years ago. Okay. And culturally, they're carrying forward how they were trained. Um, so if you have a dynamic where a student or a student body is um, it, it being taught a different way or they're being held to a different expectation or as it sort of integrates what we were talking about earlier with the uh, mentorship program. Mm-hmm the uh, house system that we have integrated at Michigan state um, and saying, we're trying to instill these values of self worth into the student body. If they're then met with one of these types of conflict Um, just because the conflict is old, how are we preparing students and how are we preparing individuals to be faced with adversity? So I think, Uh, The point that, uh, Ashley, you had brought up uh, at today's leadership meeting was, like, um, if we're talking about trying to make a change within the student body, um, it was actually, how is that going to be implementable in clinics, uh, you know, once you actually get to that uh, third and fourth year? And then, of course, you know, Ben came in to say, well, it's kind of the same thing you get in your first job. You know, it's still all sort of the same thing. Um, If you were going to weigh in on uh, the establishment or um, sort of maintenance of self-worth, if our, from what you've seen in the last week, to week and a half, how do you think our process, now again, it's a quick snapshot, how do you think our process integrating in with the student body would teach them the skills to maintain individual self-worth?
1: I think a lot of it just goes to, like, your guys thing, like, fail forward, and, like, it's okay to not do things correct, and I think as students, we're always taught, like, you have to be right, and you have to know things, and this and that, and you guys are very much like it's okay if you don't know. Like here, we'll teach you. Or it's okay if you did this wrong. Here's how you do it right. And so I think that that's a good way of. It's not that we don't know something or we're stupid. It's okay. Well, I don't know. Now I have to learn.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's I. I think we kind of make the joke like the like we like metaphor, but the Lego City. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we all got the same Lego blocks. You yeah. know, it's like you know we probably didn't have a great manual to build our lego city 10 years ago you know but it's like hey if we've already built three quarters of it like let me just show you to where to put the blocks i mean that's all it is Um, and i think that attests to progress like if everyone at every single step of the way in our profession has to figure out shit that someone else has already figured out that is like the definition of an efficient process. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we, ma- why are we making everyone figure out the same thing twice? And that's when we start talking about sort of the future of Paul health. It's just yeah. like, just take, just take everything that we have. Yeah. It's online for free. Just, just take it and go, yeah. um, and implement it. You know, like it, I think another uh, kind of analogy we have made was, it was like the Play-Doh. It's like everyone gets the same colors of Play-Doh, build whatever the hell you want, but you're still starting with the same colors of Play-Doh. Right. You know, it's the, the same type of story. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, if you weren't aware, uh, that folder that's right next to you there, if you were to buy that from a consultant, you can probably just write out about a $15,000 check. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's the nature of our industry because, again, that's kind of the, the boot on top of your head type thing. Right. Um, I actually saw a graph the other day. I, I don't remember. It was at a conference. It was like a, just on a PowerPoint slide, and I just happened to scroll past it on like Instagram, and it was – um, Within the veterinary field, who gets paid the most, like within a specific role type. So it was like oh sure, large animal exclusive and then equine and mixed uh, animal. Sure. And like they had all the, it was probably 15 different ones. The one that was highest by a lot, consultants- I got so mad. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I got so mad. Yeah, um, but yeah. like, but the the reason that that works though is because of the 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 items that you are seeing, experiencing, citing. Um, in that, there are so many barriers to people just working together as a team that we feel like we need to get the people in place uh, or just pay the people to come and tell us how to be a team.
0: Well, how much did you get that MVC? I mean, how many people came up to, I mean, other than like, what are you guys selling an idea? Yeah. But how many people came up and said, can you just please come into my practice and train my people?
2: Uh, So yeah, unprompted, we had, um, I personally had three practicing doctors approach us about training um, CBT level people in house and then actually shipping them back. So they would hire the person uh, and then <laughs> yeah. send them to us because they didn't have the skill set, uh, both in tangible skills as well as soft skills to uh, be an ideal team player uh, in the small practice setting. So they were gonna ship them to us and then actually you know, wh- yeah, whatever it might be, ever. we yeah, would yeah. train them and then yeah. their, their idea was for us to do that and then send them back. And my response was, "Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. I don't care." Yeah, like, there,
0: there's two ways we made the joke after that. Um, one of them was, "Well, they probably won't want to leave." <laughs> yeah. Yep, there's that. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the other one, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Can you take one other stab in the dark on how you think the second question, the second part of that, would be answered?
1: One, they won't want
0: to leave. Super on the spot. So we have a vet who's sending us their staff. To because learn how to be
1: a team player? Well, yeah.
0: I mean, that that's at least one part of it. you probably
1: we wouldn't get along with a lot of people when they came back. There yep. you go. Absolutely. Bingo. Yes.
0: <laughs> so it was a matter of like, yeah, fine. Send us one person. Send us three, per- three people. Three persons. Send us three people. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. What environment are they going back into? Right. And if that environment is driven by hierarchy, it's going to be driven by the practice owner who's a veterinarian. So really, who should be being sent to us? The vet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. So it's, it's a matter of uh, pointing the finger. Yeah. Oh, well, clearly they're the problem because they don't know how to do this job. So you train them and then they're going to fix my problems. Yeah. Whose problems were they? Because you just said it. Oh, my problems. Okay. Well, let's fix your shit before we consider training the other staff.
2: And I cannot tell you how many teams I worked on that just begged and pleaded for the silver bullet person (laughs) because that's what that is, right? Like, here, like I'll send you this person and then they're going to come back and they're going to be, they're just going to be able to get through everything. And that's not how it works. No, they're going to
0: wear out. Well, it's like with, uh, uh, I think it was episode 29, which I think 27 and 29 are kind of becoming my favorite podcast, but in any event, it doesn't matter. So, 29 was finite and infinite game right yep. so uh, Joanne had asked that and that was one of the things that I had consulted with her on um, this last summer was like where do we start well it's the same way we started our podcast we started with culture and core values yeah like if you aren't actually setting the standard of how people are supposed to communicate and the shared purpose that they have like where are you starting from because mm-hmm. you're trying to fix a problem you know at the super small piece of a bigger issue yeah. well identify the bigger issue first and then then problem solve and you'd be surprised at how much falls in line after it. Um believe and that,
2: they, yeah. believe they refer to that as reverse engineering the <laughs> solution. Sure.
0: So yes. you, uh, I, I, li- I like when Ben comes up with terms of things that I'm like, here's yes. a crazy thing. He's like, hey, that exists.
2: Yep. So, um, a lot of times, uh, you will see a problem and want to develop a solution. But to reverse that is to actually um, see the uh, see the solution and then start to figure out your problems. So, because if you see what the solution it, which is what we did, that's what the industry overview yeah. really is yeah. is defining um, the the so because you knew what the solutions were yeah. the 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 barrier that you had before that was actually describing and ultimately defining what the problems were that were in the middle because you just felt them yeah. they were just in your gut and you were putting words to it over the you know what, 10 years that you were out of school whatever yeah. that might have been <laughs> Um, and then, but you knew the solutions and then boom, it all came together. So, um, but really why do we talk about this and why do we talk about starting with culture and understanding how to generate, um, an ideal workplace and being able to increase retention and all that sort of stuff is because you can do it at actually any level. You can be at a student level and walk into your next, uh, externship and be an instrument of change you can you can actually um even if it's on a small level understand the big uh problem that you are starting to combat and just be as ideal as you can in that moment because over time that will build on itself
0: yeah it's eating the elephant one bite at a time right yeah and that was actually what
2: we were talking about today. So, yeah. the idea of, you know, you said the, you know, creating change in third and fourth year would potentially be more effective than at a first and second year level. Well, you got to also understand where your scope of influence kind of uh, expands out to. Mm-hmm. For us, we have a large scope of influence as it relates to MSU, and we understand that. However, it's not all encompassing. We're not able. And it's never going to be all-encompassing, yeah. actually, because there's too many people. Yeah. But um, the idea is, okay, we know where we can start to make a difference. Let's at least start there, right? right? And you can do that at any level.
0: And to that end, um, for what we've seen, uh, or I'm sorry, not what we've seen, but what you have seen in the last you know, week and a half or whatever, um, does it seem unattainable? No right
2: or complicated for that matter
1: no <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> it works very well
0: <laughs> yes yeah and it was even that end when we were talking about case management as well like i don't think you were off on any of your assessments of any of the patients that we've had up to this point and it's like just keep it keep it simple yeah. you know and that's how i've practiced medicine for 15 years and it was like we just started to apply those principles to practice management mm-hmm. but d- yeah i mean it's even see tra- see us function at traction in 515 i mean I'm sure, at least I would like to think it seemed relatively fluid today, but we hit like eight different areas of our operation in that three hours, I think. yeah, It was a lot. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, So even to that level, once you learn the process, it just, I think that's where we talk, or what I often talk about is the addiction of the problem solver. (laughs) You know, it's like, you're like, oh, that worked. Can I do it again? Mm -hmm. And it's like, can I do that? 30 times a week you know so that's you know uh but yeah so attainability seems realistic right so
2: you have a job lined up
1: yeah yep i do yeah after graduation so where is it at um it's back in my hometown shelby Vet. okay
2: cool Mm -hmm. so you're learning all this stuff and have you worked at that facility?
1: Yeah. So it's actually like the very first time that I ever shadowed out of that clinic Sure, was this clinic. And then they hired me in and I've been, you know, working summers Some, there yeah. off and on yeah, my yeah. senior year of high school. So, Common, so,
2: so you've yeah. been exposed to the, the, the clinic, the, the team, the culture, all that stuff Correct. for years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You're going to walk in May 5th, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing on your list.
1: I don't know. I mean, I I really like the ideas here, and I think it's something good to apply. And I think, like, I I think the thing that I like the most is the accountability mm-hmm. chart. Like, I really tried to lean into that, and I really like that a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, first things first on my list is just get my feet wet and like do doctor stuff. Be for a three doctor, months. maybe be an adult for a little bit. But yeah. second and third yeah. on my list,
2: yeah. sure, Yeah. sure. It's and it's funny because like you're going to walk into that team with a, with a new mindset. Mm-hmm. Like you're going, you, cause you've, you've got that, that accountability ladder now in your head. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't intentionally like walk in with the piece of paper and say, Hey guys, I'm back. Boom.
1: <laughs> I might, I might just do that. Do it. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. Here's
0: this. this works really well. Nice. Please stop. Being uh, terrible at your jobs. The definition of last name again? What
1: is uh, it? Uh, recklessly bold. Recklessly bold. Recklessly right. Come or in. stupidly bold, depending uh, on no. which way you look mm, at it. I would like, prefer
0: that. reckless. Yeah, <laughs> reckless. Yeah. So yeah, just come in recklessly bold,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> with the intention right. of improving patient care. Yes. <laughs> right. But uh, but it's it's even if you don't do that, what will end up happening is you will communicate in a way that is ultimately accountable both for yourself and to other people. So. They're gonna. People will see you differently. It may be positive. They may see it negatively. There is there is some re- reality to you being a catalyst of change. Is that eighty percent of people probably aren't gonna like you right away. Um, however, though that was the war of attrition that we fought for five years. Yeah. Um. And now you know. With, with previously we had what we referred to as our four core team because they were four. They were aligned with all of our core values uh what now, now, now it's now the, the ATF. atf now it's the atf <laughs> but uh the the idea right is we we fought that war of attrition it used to be implied like we we, we used to just talk like it and then we wrote it down and now it's like okay we've really we have really just turned the wheel to everybody being four core aligned yeah. we don't have any major cultural gaps when you walk into your new new old right. employer right that you're going to pretty much go through the same process the nice part is you can take that folder and you can really kind of suck your time frames in and make a difference faster but it's still probably and obviously every team has its own little quirks and whatnot but they all go through the same process
0: yeah i think honestly um what what i would hope i guess is uh Uh, My intent, but I guess what I would hope most uh, students come out of the externships or um, just hearing us talk podcasts, all that kind of stuff, um, is I hope and I wish that uh, young professionals can recognize Talk Path when they hear it. Mm hmm. So it's when you st- when you start to really look at like you said section uh, uh, I guess technically it's one two now which is culture and core values because one one is education. Yep. Um, so one two uh, basically just hearing when people are victimizing themselves mm-hmm. when they're persecuting you know a potential employer or they're persecuting another member within the team like that's the part that I think I enjoyed the most learning about over the last few years. Yeah. Is understanding when people talk because that then carries through. Uh, applicants. So when you have new people applying for positions, whether they're veterinarians or front staff or whatever happens to be like, I always pay attention to how they speak of their last employer yep you know it's like and you'll be able to pick out those people where they're like you know i just i don't feel like i really fit in the company that well i just don't know that was the right fit for me like that was that's more like it maybe mean, potentially cultural that's kind of more vague but it's like oh that employer and this manager and she and then he and then he it's like when you start to see someone who's falling into that accountability component and that's why like i said looking at section one two that's kind of what i hope people take forward into their lives and into their future uh, uh, professional careers is just knowing and hearing those words and be like, Oh fuck, you're being unaccountable. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, maybe you're not someone we want to hire. Like you got all the credentials, but I see a ton of finger pointing. Right. And then you take it one step further and you're like, do you know that you are being unaccountable at the moment? You know, I think that's the reality when, when, like i'll go on online forums and i hear like client shaming um or you know uh the persecution of one's office manager you know those types of things like for me the reality is it always takes two to tango you know like rarely is there a circumstance when a problem is so isolated um that you actually say oh that person is persecuting me and i'm the victim it's usually like i mean think about times we've run after action reports and we've run case reviews it's like oh they're I mean, the cliche is there's two sides to every story, but sometimes there's like seven sides to a story Mm -hmm. and there's more than just what is being told to me. Um, And I think the not to get totally off on a personal note, but I think the very first time I probably subconsciously learned that is when um, like you know, I was uh, uh, potentially having a new girlfriend or whatever it is. It's like, there's oh my last boyfriend or all of this, or, you know, all of this. And it's like, those relationships usually ended poorly. And then it's like, oh, well I'm the new asshole. <laughs> right. You know, right. Like, <laughs> you know, that's typically what happens with employees. It's like, you just become the new asshole. Yeah. You know, well so. that's, uh,
2: so the the two, uh, triggers for you to look out for word to the wise are, um, I'm a hard worker. Uh, uh and I work in a toxic work environment. Yes. If, okay. Cause if you hear, Hear one of those two things from somebody, they're probably not a hard worker,
0: <laughs> or, <laughs> or they, they work, work for prob- themselves.
2: Or they work for themselves. Yeah, they they really work hard to feed their own uh, uh, self interest, or for the toxic work environment they're the cause of it yeah that's the the crazy (laughs) ex-girlfriend sure that's what that is yeah 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 (laughs) so just be warned that that's a that's a very uh real reality yeah yeah (laughs)
0: and that you'd be surprised at how much you can get that out in an interview honestly
2: i mean once you do it a few times then it's really really telltale yeah tell me about your last manager Right. Tell me about your favorite manager and tell me about your least favorite manager. So if right. you ask those three things, uh, actually, uh, in our interview process, that's um, we talk about previous employer uh, sure. and kind of where um, that lined up with their life goals and all that sort of stuff. And with the way that our interview workflow goes, and anybody that's listening to this can probably use it against me, but I pretty much know within five minutes if somebody's going to get hired. Yeah. Um, at uh, Because... Like the way that they answer those questions is ridiculously critical to um, me understanding their reaction to um, the structure that they were in and how they played into it. Not to say that you know vertical or horizontal org structures are better or worse. Every industry, every yeah. industry, every company's different it's about how they played the game yeah. and how they would, in, they would ultimately make their um, situation better. Yeah. So that's the, really the, the first bit of our interview is
0: all yeah. that. Yeah. Cause you want problem solvers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately.
2: And a lot of times what will end up happening is they either won't have an answer to the questions, which means that they're hiding something. Uh, <laughs> by the way, everyone has answers to every interview question. They're just trying to meter their responses. Uh, number two is they're going to answer in an unaccountable way so they're gonna say yeah my job was great but my manager sucked and like three of the other teams sucked and I like I had my two friends and that was why I showed up every day like that person is going to be toxic yeah. or they're like yeah like this is where I was good this is where I was bad and this is how I could have done it better yeah that's the person that ultimately gets yeah put, uh, it's uh, unscreened yes um, and then we take the next hour and 20 minutes to tell them about paw mm-hmm. to give them a you know a taste of the kool-aid and see if they like it
0: so <laughs> that's the part that i think is probably the funniest is like having someone come in as an actual potential employee interview and then we just talk about ourselves yes. like i feel like that's a lot that's like we, my we life do story. it in question yeah.
2: form yeah <laughs> So like we explain a thing and then how does that relate to their previous experience and how do they see themselves playing into it as it exists here. So kind of just giving them the opportunity to see the reality that PAW is. Um, And that's actually a skill set that again, you can do even if you're not in a hiring role. Mm -hmm. So you can do that, that's what we do for caregivers. Actually, we educate them on the front end and say this is what our process is, this is how everything kind of works long before they ever actually walk in the door because I don't want to have to put in the ridiculous amount of work for the person that's in the room and is upset that their patient's not with them. Right? Like you had to go through that. That's not fun.
0: Yeah. That's like, I I feel like that is the,
2: you probably actually got it worse than most of us have ever gotten it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I feel like that is like the ultimate irony. So we actually talked about that at lunch today a little bit too, about how like we already figured out the solutions like years ago we had common points of conflict for the majority of well at least my experience in career and after hours medicine in this particular region and then of course here's where the solution is and we just need all of our staff to carry this solution and One of them, of course, being that uh, we are adamant about patient separation. Like, there Mm -hmm. is no exclusion. There is no exception. It's just, nope, you are going to stay up here and do paperwork, and when the time comes, we'll consult with you as a caregiver. Um, Every time, every moment from when you come in to when you leave, your patient's going to be in our care. It's in a cage. It's protected. Um, There's, you know, if you have a cat that doesn't have a carrier, and there's someone who comes in with a hunting dog not on a leash, you don't have to worry about your cat not in a carrier, and that hunting dog not on a leash. A leash <laughs> and both of you getting mauled <laughs> yeah right and i mean even in that i mean when i started i was telling the staff this the other day like when i started this job way before we were owners i was just an associate we used to have like seizure dogs die in the lobby and we used to have like yeah. these critical hemo abdomens collapse and that was it while they're waiting for their appointment in the lobby like yeah talk about bringing your cat in for an upper respiratory infection and you see a dog die right you know like that's not a good day no so that's like the ultimate irony where it's like, in, you know, for us, it's like, yeah, come on, now, see our process, see how things go, we're perfect, you know, everything goes according to plan all the time, and uh, it's, you know, in this circumstance, this caregiver uh, wasn't informed by phone on patient separation, uh, was not adequately informed on presentation of patient separation, and then we did not have our 30-minute touch points for the first, it was 90 minutes or 110 minutes or whatever the fuck she counted, um, <laughs> you know. <And laughs> how many seconds? There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and then it was like I step in and part of our state statute is that I have to inform the caregiver that a student is on the case um from a, and get their consent to allow that. Mm-hmm. Um but like I was saying at lunch, like I walked in that room and I, I just I know the body language. I walked in and was like, Oh well she's pissed <laughs> <laughs> You know. And I was like and I was thinking to myself, I was like I wonder why she's so mad. And I was like, eh, and I bet you she doesn't she does know where her dog is. You know, yeah. I bet you no one's talked to her. And then I was like, okay, Ashley, have a good day. <laughs> you know, good luck.
1: She <laughs> so was fine. Yeah. We made it work. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh. But how about like, um, conflict management? So I'm even taking that forward and, um, I, honestly, I think you did a good job on your end as well. And just saying, you know, you weren't even confrontational with it, you know, uh, cause her, of course her big thing was, was, um, of course the pa- patient separation component right, right. and you weren't, uh, you weren't combative. It was like, oh, well, um, yeah, I'll pass your concerns along. I'll pass your concerns along. And, um, that was actually, I mean, not even appropriate, uh, from just a student perspective, but like even as an associate veterinarian, like why are we battling people on right. these things? It's right. you pick and choose. You're just, oh, I'll pass that along. Can we further this consultation? Can we get? Pa- okay, I understand this is a barrier for you. I'll pass along your concerns. Can we please talk about your patient? Right. Yeah. Right. This <laughs> yeah. is the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tried yeah. my best. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say,
2: how did you actually handle that?
1: Yeah, I just um, so she was talking about how she thought it was inappropriate that her pet was separated and that she didn't see the exam, and so I just told her that her pet was safe, that she was in that she was in back, that she was being watched mm-hmm. because there are people back there, and that the reason that we put things or er, animals in the back and keep them in the back is for safety of both the staff and of other animals, and so that we're able to both manage like critical patients but still keep an eye on the non critical patients, and then you know, she just kind of kept going about it. And I just, because one, I have no control over it. Right. Cause right. I'm here as a guest and, yeah, 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 and that, and I just said, you know, I, I understand your concerns. I appreciate your concerns. I'll make sure that I pass them along to Dr. Riolo. Yeah. Um, and just kind of try to talk about her dog. Yeah. But yeah. Right. And we did talk about the dog yeah. and then we came up with a plan and then I came in back and expressed her concerns. Yep.
0: Yes. Yeah. And even then, so, you came back, expressed concerns, and I was just like, well, okay, you've expressed it, uh, but I still carried forward with, like, I'm not going to go in and talk to this person about those concerns. She expressed them, and you said you were going to pass it along, and you did. You were truthful. You carried through, followed through on what you did, and we're just going to continue process. So it was, we just need to bring in an estimate on the services that we were that you had discussed and to perform this test. Um and then when it went in, it was then the person, the caregiver, then spouting off to the medical support staff on just trying to continue to stake her claim. Oh, here's a new person. This person will give me what I want. Yep. Right. So what I, um, one of the things that I've said for years is when people call, uh, so they're God knows where, they have an emergency, they call. They have already made the decision about whether they're going to come in or not. That's the phone call. So it's, where are you guys? How can I get there? (laughs) Or it's, let me talk to you 37 minutes so you can tell me everything's going to be okay and I don't have to come in. Yep. So for me, it's the same thing in the consultation. So if I have someone who, now in this circumstance, like I said, the, the process component had failed. She wasn't told at phone call. She wasn't adequately informed at presentation. And it was, and it was a wait time that she wasn't informed at a regular rate. So like, and uh, we had addressed that when I finally went in the room, I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it sounds like there's a clear process failure here. Um, um, but, uh, when a new person comes in the room, they're just going to say the same complaint. Right. You know, it's a new person. If I tell this person what I think, then this person going to give me what I want. Right. So that's the consistency in policy where we were, you know, what I often talk about is it, it's consistency from the front end to medical support, to the CBT to the DVM. We all have the same story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think we even talked about this in episode 29 where it was like you have one person break process one person break failure. Yep. It, was, it was a joke about office, yeah, space. office space. Yeah, it was like if, if I make one problem Bob, I have to hear it from seven different people. Um, it's that thing. So if it was like, you know, oh, well. Uh, so-and-so broke process, then what happens? We have eight other caregivers in the lobby, and now we have someone walking to and from the room with their dog, and it's like, oh, well, why can't I have my dog? And it's like, well, if there's two dogs in the lobby, they're going to fight with each other. No, they're not. They're good dogs. Well, no, they're good dogs in your house with one dog. They're not good dogs in a lobby of a veterinary clinic with 30 people they don't know and a bunch of dogs and cats running around. That's not the same environment. Nope. Um, You know, It's like doggy daycare where everyone's just screwing around and there's a bunch of humans (laughs) and cats and dogs around. That Never goes well. <laughs> that sounds safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's run it. Let's run a daycare center where we have cats and dogs in the same area and just a bunch of humans running around emotional. Right. Wouldn't go well. No. Um, so it's process. So you break process for one person. There's the expectation You break it for all of them. So I get what I'm driving at is that's what people want. They want to be the exception. There was no one else up there who had their patient with them, but she wanted to be the exception. And then, so what I'll often find is that people find um, un, uh, unrelated conclusions to justify their position. So it's like, oh, well, there's uh, I've owned animals for 25 years. It has nothing to do with our policy. I've been to other clinics in the last 20... 20- it doesn't have anything to do with our policy. I am, this is my profession. Now my profession has nothing to do with this scenario. Mm-hmm. So it's again, they try to try to convince. And as soon as you engage that, as soon as right. it's like you try to argue with them on their point, on their saying, you're not actually getting anywhere right. because this person is just going to talk you through until the end, until they get what they want. Yep. So in the end, just don't engage the conversation. Yeah. As I, soon as you identify the barrier where it's like, Oh, well this person's pissed. Oh, we had a process failure. And in the consultation, I said, this is all about trust. I said, either you're going to trust that we are here to serve your patient on nights, weekends, holidays, 24 hours away from our families. That's why we're here to to manage your patient. Or you're not going to trust us. I said, if you don't trust what we're doing, I don't actually want to help you. I don't want to help your patient. Because if you don't trust me, then I, I don't want any part of this relationship, because right. it's not going to end well for any of us. Yeah. And then, uh, then again, she had come back with then saying, uh, well, this is your job, do your job, right. you know, right. how dare you, you know, everyone does this job, and it's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the thing. So to see that conflict, um, I feel like Ashley doesn't help, because I feel like she was kind of egging me on, like I felt her energy where she yeah. was egging me on to engage in this argument. Um, unintentionally, <laughs> yeah. I just feel the energy. The thing,
2: the thing that I lean on, whether it's on the phone, in person, yeah, uh, at presentation, in person, post presentation, sure, sure. I'm maximizing your patient's safety. Uh, right. That's the end of the story. That folks. is the story. That's like I have other reasons that you might disagree with. However, your patient's safest place when it is here. Is in treatment. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time
0: uh, with uh, it aged and years of experience of veterinary training. Yeah. Veterinary staff. There's a, a Janessa was telling about his emergency clinic that charges per minute or per hour per minute in triage. So that is a company that values their triage and the proficiency of their staff enough that on the outpatient basis, when the animal is under their direct supervision, they're charging per minute.
1: Wow.
0: I think that's nickel and diming. I don't agree with it. I, I however, hate that process. <laughs> however. I think however, it's trash. Yeah, it's <laughs> trash. However, it's, it speaks to yeah. saying under our care, there are between three and six veterinary professionals right. to, to know the signs. Right. We, like you had said a moment ago, our, our unstable patients from our stable patients. Well, what happens when you have a presumably stable patient become unstable? Right. Right. Can you determine that in the lobby? can you determine that when they're sitting in an exam room or even when
2: a caregiver presents with the patient that they would deem stable and Correct. ultimately is not, it is they not a
0: medically driven stability. Right. <laughs> it is a, yeah, you know, they look lethargic. Right. And it's like, Oh, they have one tenth of their blood volume. Right. If, you know, right. It's always bleeding a little bit, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> sort of, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, I guess, uh, to pose it back at you, uh, How do you think that conflict circled?
1: In terms of how it was handled or just... All of it,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I think it was handled well. Like, you stuck to the fact that this is how things are done and you even gave her the grace of explaining why things are done the way they are and you still offered her the same care that you offer everyone and then she made her decision based on that. So, it wasn't... I mean, it was conflict because of what it was, but like, it was kind of just a, okay, well, here's what it is. And yeah. here's what we should do for your patient. And then she made her decisions based on that.
0: Yep. So we still hit informed consent, <laughs> yep. right? right? We still provided her with the option. Um, cause that was all part of as too. And, and what I had said is I was like, I'm not going to force you to do anything. I said, you don't want your patient back with us. That's fine. I'll bring your dog up here to you. I said, but then we're done. It's the end of the road yeah that's the end of the road well you can you examine the dog and can you show you know and then can you do the testing in here no 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 if you want me to do that stuff i'll do it in back where i have my staff who can restrain appropriately um you know uh, we're gonna again be in a controlled environment you know the the dog actually most of our patients have a lower level of anxiety away from their people so they're easier to handle aside from the one, two shepherds that lost their ass. But, you know, it, anyway, it, it, they that are, is the statistical few outlier. few and far <laughs> between, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I, honestly, it is 90-plus yeah. percent yeah. of all patients are yeah. actually more yeah. well-behaved yeah. away from their caregivers. Yeah.
0: And so for me, I think, and I, I hope the message that had come forward with that conflict was, for me, it was just like, meh. You know, meh.
2: But, but that, that was that's, after meh. you acknowledged to that person that, yes, we did have an error in oh, the absolutely. process right. so right. you yeah. get ga- you gave that to them Absolutely. like you you admit f- you yeah, admit they had failure it. yeah oh yeah right. okay yeah. but that but then the thing that most people will do is like well because we screwed up we'll give you this one Right, like they make the exception because somebody made the mistake, and you you can't do that. No, because you give them an inch, and they're gonna take a mile. They're gonna they're gonna drive as hard as they can to get everything that they can out of it.
0: Yeah, that may have actually been part of it as well. Because when I said that we had failed process, she was real quick to talk about how we had failed process. I'm like, and so again, looking at the accountability ladder, no, we already established reality, right? We already established reality. Yep. We kind of botched that front end part. And I certainly recognize that, you know, some of your anxiety or some of your, uh, you know, concern probably came out of that. Um, You know, so I'll follow through with our office generalists. We'll make sure this person has the training that they require or just make sure that the talk path appropriate. Can we move from here? And that's, that's, that's why I think I come back to saying like you start to learn people's talk paths and it's, uh, it's the, um, insurmountable barrier. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like sometimes you hit that barrier and you got to just take it on the chin. Yep. Yeah, that was it. I mean, yep. and, and I think I've said this before, like the cases that I've had undergo state review all started in process. Yeah. It was people who were pissed off about wait times, who were pissed off about, pay, you know, whatever it was, and then always reflected back in the veterinarian, you know, where it was just like, oh, they don't know what they're doing around here, and this isn't the... Well, they're you know, the only ex-
2: one that can be held liable by a governing entity.
0: <laughs> that too, yes.
2: <laughs> a technician technically can also, sure, but they're, yeah. that's not who they're going to go headhunt for.
0: Which I, I predicted that uh, in one of our first PAW meetings. I had said to our support staff, I said, listen, I said, up to this point, we have only ever had veterinarians taken before state review nothing has ever been upheld uh but i said don't be so naive as to assume that one day we will have our certified technicians also held under state review i said that day will come i said so you guys have just as much not to lose but you have just as much accountability as our veterinarians do and like sure it was like eight months later (laughs) it was like fucking molly and she was like you said at that staff meeting this was gonna happen you know and it was like her um it was within her, like, first year out yeah. of fucking school, too. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, I know. I know. This and she this was fine. Is, yeah. She's still gay. there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, so I guess what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at in kind of indirect sort of way um, is look at conflict. Look at conflict in any other environment. Look at conflict and then in any other environment how it relates to sort of um, self-worth and disparagement. Like... Not really a scenario there. That woman's going to trash his online.
2: Uh Uh, I'm uh, waiting for it. Yeah,
0: Yelp, Google, whatever whatever it happens to be. Like, we're probably, and me specifically. So it's, I'm an asshole, you know, I mean, all these different things. You know, Dr. Riolo, and he's the worst vet that there is, and so on and so forth. Um, All I was doing was actually standing up for failed process.
2: Yes, yeah. You were you were not caving on process because Correct. of a failure. Correct. You were re you were reinforcing process yes. at um it, it basically to reestablish the standard. Correct. Because if we continue down that path, yes. if we continue to make exceptions to process because of a failure, yes. it will never end. The no. failure doesn't stop. Yeah. Because yep. you give that person one, and then it's like, well, everyone in the waiting room should get the same yeah. r- t- sort of thing, right? And then that yeah. just continues and continues down, yeah. Yeah. and then no one can do their damn job anymore.
0: Yeah, look at the, and, it, and I think part of this comes from the customers that always write f- uh, farce you know where it's like look <laughs> look at the look at the accountability ladder right yeah. so we're at blaming yes. we're at blaming yes. so it's like you guys failed you in this new in this someone who is constantly saying that you are the problem when you are here to help and you're you guys and you guys and you guys you're never going to get them to reality Nope. a shared I'm not even saying a perspective reality it's just a shared reality yep we made a mistake right you're willing to accept that we had made a mistake let's move to what the solutions let's move to implementation yeah so if we have someone who's just staying in blame and pissed off and you guys blah blah, blah, blah fuck off right right that, that, that's it right you know so if we were in um and i think when we get in, when we gotten back i had reiterated um one of the things i had said in a previous podcast um was that um i i I enjoy when caregivers have positive experiences mm-hmm. in our clinic. I don't want people to have negative experiences. Mm-hmm. However, I don't gain my fulfillment from whether I have a caregiver who has a positive interaction or a caregiver who has a negative interaction. I don't care. Right. Right. I'm here to serve the patient and I'm here to educate the caregiver. Right. That's what I'm here for. And as soon as we create that barrier, where it's like, oh, I got a negative review, oh, I got a positive review, positive review, oh my God, I'm so great, I got a positive review, oh, I'm so terrible, I got a negative review, none of that matters, did you serve the patient, and did you educate the caregiver, and that's, you know, I guess your perspective on that, coming out of
1: that. Right, and we had had that conversation before this (laughs) event happened, and so I think right when she, as soon as you shut the door, and she started in, I immediately thought of that conversation of, okay, we just have to move past this, and like, yep, she's mad about something move past it focus on the patient yes and i think if we High had five. not had that conversation before i would have probably been like so do, do you want me to leave or yeah. like, what, <laughs> what do you want me to do <laughs> so i think yeah, yeah that conversation immediately clicked in my head and i think i was able to just be like oh like okay well she's she's mad at something she's not mad at me yeah she's just mad yeah so yeah
0: uh, fair point so uh mad at Something. Mm -hmm. So you would be surprised at what something is. Sometimes it's they had a fight with their significant other on even bringing the patient in yep Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's again the financial component where the argument wasn't like I don't think anything is wrong with the dog But it's we don't have the money to take the dog in you know So it's like you never know exactly why this individual is mad Um, And so we had kind of talked about this a little bit with regard to going over x-rays and going over blood work and going over These things to establish reality you're exactly right stay highly accountable Identify solutions figure out what's implementable. Yep solutions implementation solutions implementation everything else falls away and I think um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you can remember an example, but I feel like in this last week we had um, A circumstance or an example um, Where it was like we just had to keep ignore. Oh, I know what it was Um, It was the the one dog that was vomiting I uh, remember sitting in the room and it was like I was, I was having a hard time getting the individual between like are we hacking hairballs or are we actually coughing oh yes 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 <laughs> yes that one right. yes. I remember yes 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 um, so it's a matter of getting people to that reality but there's going to be a variety of barriers that are going to be in our way sometimes it's anger um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's processing speed you know sometimes there's all, you know sort of these uh, different things that are doing in conflict but it's like as long as we continue to keep everything into solution And everything into implementation all the other stuff falls away Mm -hmm. And it's like if you can direct and this is where the senator Riolo comes into it It's like if you can continue to direct the conversation back to solutions and back to what is actually implementable People actually forget all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. They might be upset, but it doesn't become combative it yep. doesn't become argumentative. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yep, we failed on that. Hey, can I reestablish reality, and can I get you back to the reason why you're here, and let's focus on these particular issues. Um, and that was, uh, y- you've actually had some of the more interesting caregivers in the last <laughs> 10 days. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, Then uh, personally I've experienced in the last year collectively. Um, but it's me. Yeah,
1: I always I always get the, the colorful. You drag the in the crazy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it.
1: The yeah. colorful. Yeah. The colorful. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, so those two examples that you just cited, right? Uh, the one uh, that that caregiver may have been potentially mad at yeah, something, sure. something, right? Yeah. And then the second one is is it hacking hairballs or is it coughing? That's actually two examples from the destructive satire episode. That's one and it's four. Oh, the, like you're exactly right. the you're same right. thing. Yeah. And that's why that drove me so crazy. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that one at all, but I do recommend it because uh,
0: she th- saw the video pre-podcast.
2: So yeah, you're familiar with the actual video. Correct. Yeah. Right? The one for the first one being they drag their garbage into the door. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's mad. Uh, at something that you have no control over, right Why are you bothering <laughs> worrying about it? right but Like you can ag- you can acknowledge that it exists, right? Like you can say like, I'm sensing a barrier in communication here. I just want to make sure that trust is on par and that we're ultimately here to serve the patient, right right um, and, and as long as that's what's happening and like yeah, sorry, I just I had a shitty day. like boom, we're already moving forward. Or no, I think your process sucks and I don't trust you. That's an insurmountable impasse. Yeah, I I can't get past that. However, engaging it, or I should say, acknowledging it but not engaging it, um, is the is the key point there. And just saying, I don't know what this is, but we both need to be in a shared sense of reality. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because it was acknowledged. Yes. Yeah, it was like, oh, yep. There's the reason right. why we led up to this. But she it's- still wanted to blame. She still wanted to. Right. finger point, you know.
2: and you and you gave her the benefit of education uh, it's still like okay to serve the patient we need to educate the caregiver right. we missed a couple times on that front however the solution itself actually didn't change it's just we're just kind of doing some cleanup work at that point yeah but like again she may have had some other garbage that we weren't even able to address she might have been mad in that consultation anyways you don't know right um so like it's funny that it's just directly on that yeah and then with the embarrassment factor that's another thing you know that's that was that number four yep I don't know if that's actually specifically what you were going at, but I feel like hacking hairballs and coughing, like somebody might be afraid of the judgment that they'll get if they think that their dog has kennel cough.
0: Uh, Outside looking in, I could see where you would make that conclusion, but, uh, we, might not we, have been we were particularly colorful on, <laughs> <laughs> on this particular gotcha. point. There were some barriers there that I don't just
2: think. like a just like a, a a mental fortitude that couldn't determine the difference between the two.
0: Yeah, and yeah. It, was, yeah, it was the historical acquisition. Pro, uh, actually, one of the things we had talked about was like for me how I take history on a piece of paper and keep things chronologic. Yep. Um, I couldn't. Oh, yeah, I, I was, was that mixed up. I, yeah, I was having a really hard time identifying why we were there. And then I tried to sort of regain clarity by showing the cards a little bit and just saying the reason why I'm asking these questions are because there's some things wrong with the heart and lungs or something wrong with the gut. I'm just trying to ask the questions to get into either of those two categories. Um, I don't think I got that many words out. Yeah, no, no. no, it was, like, as soon as I said one thing, it was just, like, the whole ramble in this uh, direction. Yeah. And there was a the wife totally uh, uh, lucid. I mean, we, we definitely knew what was going on. Uh, the son was actually just laughing at the dad whenever he would speak because the son's <laughs> like, well, this guy's an idiot, you know. So, <laughs> you know, so it was, like, but the dad was doing all of the talking, and I'm, like, I just got to, and then, and, like, four or five different times, I was like, well, we're never going to get to reality. So, yeah. Uh, time for me. We had a great
1: talk about accountability (laughs) on that appointment right (laughs) then and there.
0: Yep. I was like, I just, yep. Time to leave. Yeah. We've met a barrier, you know, we're not going to get t- through, and that's the end of this consult. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and bang my head in a wall. Right. You know? when, in my early years, I would. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think, so, again, coming back to why I think our, uh, you know, to drink the Kool-Aid, at least in some capacity, it's like you start to learn that pattern of human behavior, and if you exclusively look at it from the perspective of, of accountability, you're going to find out. So uh, Ben has a high uh, economic uh, marker on his Tricor, which is um, return on investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll start Start to see that where it's like, well, I can't actually invest a lot of time and effort into this patient, into this caregiver simply because the amount of time I'm going to put in is not going to make a difference. It's not right. going to make a difference in their life. It's right. not going to make a difference in the patient's life. I'm just going to feel like I have lower self-worth because I didn't make a difference in their life or this patient's life. And it's like, you or can't control that.
2: Or I could just not go down that road. Yeah, right,
0: right. And it's, right. yeah, so the rapid identification of barriers, I think, is w- what this process ultimately teaches. Yeah. And not even just barriers and consultation, because I think that's, now that I've had uh, you and Rhiannon, um, that's actually been an adjustment of talk path. Yeah. So for me, I always think about the accountability ladder from both a cultural standpoint yeah. and a consultation standpoint. Our podcasts have only ever talked about the accountability ladder from a cultural standpoint.
2: We we have t- kind of a two-way control there, and yeah. we're actually talking to people generally that are going to be more on that team focus, so it's definitely been that focus. But Human caregivers, caregivers are on the patient care team, yeah. and we've talked about it a few different times. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, but it's like as you start to just really live by the, you know, assigning and defining accountability, both the victimization and uh, then also over to just the latter itself, you get way quicker at like, all right, well... This is going to be, th- I can make an impact, is what it boils down to. I can make an impact in this person's life, in this patient's life, or you can't. And I think we've right. had that, uh, I, you've actually heard it at least once or twice. And actually, I think it was actually that consult mm-hmm. um, where I said basically you have to have three willing participants in order to make an impact. Uh, one of them, of course, is a veterinarian's ability to diagnose, uh, a caregiver's um, ability to elect uh, so they understand, they know what you're doing, and then a, uh, and that's competency as well, and then a patient's willingness to receive so if you have a veterinarian unwilling to diagnose the other two fail Mm -hmm. if you have a caregiver unwilling to you know sort of recognize or implement uh, the solution you're going to fail and you have a patient who's unwilling to receive you're going to fail. So it's, if you have a barrier at one of those three places, it's going to be very difficult to actually implement a solution. So for us, it almost exclusively boils down to is the caregiver is the most significant barrier. Um, now, in years past, now that we have our financial support system, it's a lot easier. Yep. But in years past, our most significant barrier from a caregiver standpoint has been the financial aspect. Yep. So for us to offer special financing at 12, 24, and 48-month special financing, we can minimize the financial impact in the household to reduce reduce a very consistent caregiver barrier mm-hmm. um and then once we get past that it's like uh the people are like well i can't touch my cat and give it meds oh <laughs> well then <and laughs> okay you know right. I, I might as well not even send you home with anything <laughs> you know just i hope it gets better you know try this food um right. you know so and i think so if we if we get better at Expanding from those three barriers the veterinarian, the caregiver and the patient and just saying those are the three most common barriers in clinical practice and you get really 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 efficient at identifying those three barriers. You're going to you're going to have a much much easier career because you're not going to be expending unnecessary energy. So in having an efficient process. Um, So that's that's uh, again what I hope people sort of take forward um, you know as they start to learn this process.
2: Well that actually um, i that's the first time I've heard you word that that way. I'm assuming that's relatively fresh. Um, but that actually, the, the way that you word that goes kind of against that concept. Um, and actually, uh, Katie and I had talked about that with Rhiannon about those that exit school and think that you can only perform gold standard medicine. Sure, yeah. <coughs> because gold standard doesn't take into account um, the caregiver, caregiver reality barrier. Yeah. barrier or necessarily the patient barrier. Yeah. It just goes to yours. Like if you only know gold standard and like, and you're able to fulfill it, like you should probably be able to fulfill gold standard medicine, yeah. but without acknowledging those other two barriers to that standard, yeah. like you're just going to hit those walls and yeah. be like, well, I, now I don't know what to do.
0: It's narcissistic. Yeah. So it's assuming that we are the only ones in in the relationship. And that's why we call caregivers caregivers yeah. is that we collectively as the veterinarian and then the owning caregiver or acting agent, but owning caregiver, ultimately our responsibility is to serve the patient. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we think that we as veterinarians, and I think we talked about this before where it's like, oh, you know, you know, I can take so much better care of this animal and they're not doing a good job, take care of it. You know, it's just all this judgment and disparagement and so on and so forth, um, it's completely disregarding those three very obvious barriers. And sometimes barrier, when we talk about veterinarians, sometimes processing speed. I mean, some of us are just better than others at quick to diagnosis. Like, given enough criteria, I feel like a lot of veterinarians will reach the same conclusion. Some of us are just going to do it quicker than others. It's just what it is. Um, But again, when you then say not just processing speed, but then you bring ego into it or, you know, you sort of bring disparagement into it or you bring unnecessary conflict, you bring some of these other things into it. like when we talk about the barrier, I mean, we've said about it with uh, veterinarians we've had in the past. Like um, I've, I've had veterinarians who worked for us in the years and that's when we had a greater focus on production, which is not so much anymore um, where it was like, you know, they were like, Oh, we're not producing as much as Carlo. And, you know, and this was, you know, we were told we were going to make this much income and we're not and so on and so forth. And when you look at how I practice medicine versus the other veterinarians practice medicine, they were black and white. Yep. I'm gray. I'm like, all right, well, here's seven different options this is better this way, this is better that way, here's some options here, some options there. Um, But when you look at it from a three-barrier perspective, veterinarians who can't get past themselves Mm -hmm. are the ones that stay black and white. Here's gold standard, here's nothing at all. Here's a fifteen hundred dollar estimate. Here's some Zero. meds out the door for twenty five dollars. Right. You know. So, um, and we actually talked about this at our leadership meeting today, and saying most people have between three hundred and fifty and five hundred dollars disposable income right now across the board, whether it's credit cards or cash in hand, whatever it is. Most people are three fifty five hundred. So we're really adamant that our average invoice is in that range. Yeah. But, you know, not necessarily yeah. because I want veterinarians like, oh, well, this is a, a one hundred and fifty dollar invoice, and you could have made it, to, you know, three hundred. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that as we start to creep higher and higher and higher and higher is we're going to start to lose part of, and we're going to start to increase our barriers essentially.
2: Yep. Yeah. You increase your caregiver barrier. Yeah.
0: Your caregiver barrier goes up. But if you are a practicing veterinarian who can't get out of their own, like I said, narcissism or ego, or just their own brain and gold standard and all those things that were taught, you're never actually ever going to cross the caregiver barrier and the patient barrier. You're just going to be stuck on yourself.
2: Unless you have a 20% practice. Uh, that's, course, what a Mar- yes. that's what a Marriott practice is. Uh, exactly. Yeah, because you if, if, never have bonded. to realize yeah.
0: a caregiver barrier.
2: It you never have to realize necessarily a patient barrier because you're not going to get the outside farm cat that can't get meds. Right, it's going to be right. the, the the fur baby domesticated animals that In are In the top
0: one to five percent. Right, yeah. like that's you don't hear no.
2: Exactly, <laughs> you don't. You never realize those barriers because those people don't have them. However, you're doing a major disservice to 80% of the rest of the market. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like just like just the pure numbers wise that to me is just flat sad. Yeah. 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 So, um, and actually, you know, the funny part about um, the way our process exists is we actually, not every time, but frequently actually scrub off the top 20% because- Oh, I don't care. I don't care either yeah. because we really, really maximize on the middle 60. Yeah. But the top 20 actually are, and I would argue, I w- or actually, I, I would be willing to bet that the individual that you had that conflict with was a top 20 percenter, mm-hmm. top five percenter. It's sure. it's it's so easy to tell because yeah. they either they can't stand wait times, they can't stand patient separation, they yeah. they can't stand the idea in some t- cases of informed consent and talking about the range of options. Yeah, they just walk into the room and expect a doctor to tell them exactly what they're going to do, yeah. and and, it, and they yeah. it,
0: our process kind of drives them crazy. They they want and and, and I I'm very cautious about talking about it from this perspective um but they want power and control yeah because for us to say that we have power and control assumes that i think we have power and control when we don't we have process and that's different that is way different yeah so power and control is they want the vets that they can control they want the vets that they can tell what to do they want the vets who fit into what their mental process is at the expense of everybody else yeah at the expense of the support staff, at the expense of the other caregivers in the lobby, at the expense of the other patients that are there, they simply don't give a shit. I, I'm reminded of the one lady I had come through um, who was in, like, her late 70s who was like, you know, I have enough money to do anything that we need to do today, so I expect a higher level of care, and I was like, well, that doesn't work here. Nope. <laughs> you know, that's not how we function, um, and it, I think in the end, uh, and I don't think I ever said this before, but um, I ended up being one of her most favorite vets, uh, yeah. you know. I should come back several times to that patient right up until the end. Um, but part of it was I didn't give leeway on importance. We're all we're equal. I don't care how much money you have. Money is only a barrier to treatment. It's not a barrier to who the worth of that individual is. Right. Um, so you still give them the benefit of the doubt. So that's what I think. People love to feel special. Uh, certainly in our country, I mean, uh, and I'm not going to totally get p- political on that side, but it's like people really want to be the exception. They really want to be have special treatment. And when we start to talk about um, sort of a collective, we start to talk about doing it together. Uh, we don't need to start talking about democratic socialism. It doesn't matter. Uh, so we start to have these other uh, institutions that, you know, say that there is greater equality. People hate it. They just hate it. And when they're... Until
2: when they, they realize the value of it. Exactly. Because... the, the yep. in like understanding the value of informed consent, understanding the value of a triage system and increasing availability, increasing affordability at every every opportunity possible and understanding those barriers and being able to have deeper discussions rather than just walking in the room and saying this is what we're gonna do and then leaving and then like just the, all of the lack of clarity in that process, um, the, the lack of an understanding of every variable or giving them the remaining um, unknown variables within yeah. that patient care equation, right? Like if they're, if they're ready, willing and able to receive that um, even if it is accidental, like those are the people that never s- stop showing up, right? Yeah, and 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 if they're if they can't get past th- their own ego in that instance, absolutely, you're welcome to leave. Oh, I,
0: it <laughs> and that was it, right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, but that's the that I don't th- think she was expecting that as the solution. No. No, no
2: not at all. Absolutely, not at all. But that's <laughs> why I think for um individuals such as yourself at the level that you're at why the kool-aid tastes so good because you it gives you the power to serve patients in a way that is ultimately productive Mm -hmm. it's not we don't have these process just for the sake of process right or to inflate ourselves artificially or to obtain a level of control that is unnecessary or whatever it might be our process serves a high a variety of patient, absolutely, <clears throat> not large animal, but right. from a, from the spectrums that we care about and all of that, it's, it's because of pragmatism. It's because yeah. of understanding the bond spectrum and understanding limitations. It's not, and that's what the, that's what the Kool-Aid is. So yeah. then we co- then we build a culture around that. Yeah. How do we maximize that from our team? How do we maximize that from process? And then how, cause once you have that, then you can fire caregivers. She can, oh, walk yeah. in, she can walk into that room and you're not thinking about production. You're not thinking about the the fact that you can't make payroll this week mm-hmm. or you're not thinking about the fact that the your mortgage is late or whatever yeah. it might be. All of those barriers get out of the way and it's just about one thing. Serve the freaking patient. Praise. That's it. Hmm? And that's why the Kool-Aid for so many students, I think, is, is the right fit or at least in some capacity, something that can be transferable in their practice life, when that day comes, yeah, yeah, that was my rant of the day. Oh, I like it, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So again, now thinking recklessly bold, like what are the th- what are the thing like what what are you gonna take out of this? What like you're only a week and a half in, you have another week and a half with us, but right, right. what's what stays in Ashley's world?
1: um the efficiency that you guys have uh, i already said the accountability ladder mm-hmm. like i love that yep. um i've already spoken to my sister about it and been like you should look at this website <laughs> because she's uh she's the ceo of a company and that's what their next seminar on is on is on accountability Ooh. so i'm like oh let's fly me out <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so when, when does it, what's
0: the date letter yeah <laughs> put us <her> in touch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
1: yeah so the efficiency the accountability and and i really i like the way that you guys the informed consent and the, and the serve the patient, basically everything, but sure. you know, yeah, it's basically, um, yeah,
0: and, and not even just because we're trying to make ourselves sound good. No, you know, no. no I
1: yeah. mean, really, truly, like I have tried very hard to like lean into the way you guys do things and to just pay attention to the way you guys do things and how it works and, and, and learn from that as much as I can. Cause I am only here for three weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know. Well, what's one thing you would change if you could? On your week and a half exposure. Yeah, right. This is the high pressure question. Yeah, this
0: high pressure. I don't know. All I don't of know. us are staring at you and the entire internet is waiting. <laughs> because they, they, wa- they want the two good to be true. Uh-huh. Right? And I do too. Yeah, right.
1: I don't know if there's anything I would change, but maybe by the end of the three weeks, I'd have something that like, I'd be like, hey, here's something that I've noticed. But I, I, I don't think that anything like process or the way you guys do things is not working. Yeah. Because every time you guys run across a problem, you're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll just figure out what's wrong and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's very right. simple. There's like no problems. It's just uh, like, oh, well, okay, fine. We'll just fix it. Yeah, whatever really way. It's
2: really not that complicated. No, yes. Like no. with the,
1: the sheets today of, oh, well, let's we'll just, just update the sheets or we'll just change the way the samples are handled. Or this is right. like, like, it's very just, oh, well, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> problem. Right. Solution. Yeah. It's not problem, excuse, blame. No. It's problem, solution. Implementation. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's the story. So this is, uh, I, I think, we did pretty good. Yeah, we've covered quite a bit. Yeah, um, you'll be around for uh, another podcast next week mm. as we talk about failing forward with Dr. Caroline. Mm. Uh, yep, that'll be an interesting one. We can talk about some specific case stories and how we botched mm. and then ultimately got better because of it. Sure. Um, and yeah, you'll be you'll be with us. We'll have. I mean, and Dr. Katie So we'll actually have Five Holy people Holy crap Five people I mean, you chair. Five uh, She's phone. actually She's On, phone on the phone oh, Yep phone So uh, yeah So we can look forward to that But uh, Dr. Carlo, Would you care to take us out?
0: Uh, certainly Alright guys Thank you for uh, listening to us today We'll catch you next week